With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Pirate Rugby Pod. We hope everyone has been enjoying the World Cup. Joining me to break it all down for you is Hugh. Say hello, hello Hugh. everybody. Hello, 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 hello. If this is your first episode, you can come here every week to get the latest in Tier 2 Rugby, major rugby news and broadcast updates. Whilst the Rugby World Cup is on, we are pausing our deep dives as there are simply just too many games to cover, but they'll be back after the tournament. If you like the sound of that, YouTube viewers, please hit the like button, subscribe and share. Spotify listeners, please leave us a review and a comment if you feel like it. If you want even more from the Pirate Rugby, you can check us out over on Twitter, where we're tweeting every day about all of the obscurest rugby matches. Or you can head over to our Substack. So I'll show the people the Substack again now because we've got a few new lovely subscribers since uh, we last showed everybody. So give me a second, guys. Uh, screen. So, yeah, so this is our Substack, guys. So you can go on here and if you subscribe completely for free, just put your email in. You'll get an email every time we drop a piece of long form written content. Also, when we drop a podcast, uh, you can see Ender's uh, TV guys are shared in there. We also this week shared a piece on looking at the World Cup. Who of the World Cup teams is the most rugby obsessed? Um, diving into some of the reports and things uh, that World Rugby have done looking into what uh, kind of popularity rugby has in different nations across the world. And we point out some of the some of the issues some of those investigations have had um so if you like the sound of that like i say head over there will be a link in the description you can sign up completely for free uh, and we hope you enjoy it so yeah so on with the show so it's all mate what was your rugby moment of the week this world cup week well there were a couple of them right but i think i was going to take a, a light higher approach this week and just yeah, that there had been, I don't know if you'd heard, there had been some rumours that Mac Hansen, of these are probably completely unfounded, but there were some rumours circulating that he was he was dropped for, for disciplinary reasons yeah. or whatnot. Of course, the camp have completely denied it. They're probably not true at all. 
But what I loved about it um, was that apparently Emma Canson went out, or this is the room, well, this is what you'd expect, that he went out and broke the curfew or whatnot. And that's why he was dropped. I'm sure it's all nonsense, but anyway, uh, there was a late injury, so he made his way into the squad, um, came on, had a great game. Then I'm sure you saw the, the clip after the game where he just stripped right down to okay. his shorts. He had the top off, and then he took off his shorts and uh, threw them into to the crowd. Yep. And uh, you could get a glimpse of his ridiculous tattoo of uh, Andy Farrell um, that he got after a bet that he made on the rugby pod. Um, so, yeah, look, it's it's just good to see a bit of character. If there was nothing going on there about his disciplinary, he wouldn't have, or about his discipline, that wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't have stripped down uh, to yeah. his jocks, I don't think. So that probably, yeah, I think that put that, that whole thing to bed. And it's just, yeah, it's nice to see a rugby player just show a bit of character. Um, every interview... You hear of him, you see of him. He just he seems yeah. like an absolute character, and we need more of them in rugby. He just seems a bit mad, doesn't he? Um, but that was my rugby moment. What about yourself? Yeah, so I've gone, I've, I've cheated and gone for two. So mine are both uh, Twitter-related rugby moments, um, but slightly lighter-hearted ones, I think, to start with. Uh, firstly, uh, the Six Nations official Twitter account um, put out a tweet that was in one word: "Who will win the World Cup?" which, of course, excluded anyone from the Gale to say New Zealand or South Africa. So there's a lot of people replying new or South. <laughs> so that was a bit of a bit of a brain fart, I think, from the from the Six Nations Twitter account. And then the other Twitter account that had also had a bit of a brain fart or something was Jamie Heaslip um, put out a long Twitter thread about how uh, the World Cup represented Ireland's emergence as a tech entrepreneur, uh, world-leading nation. Did you see any of this, mate? I did not. This is the first time I hear about it. So apparently Jamie Heaslip is a bit of form for this. Apparently there, there was an even longer version of this posted on his LinkedIn, is what people are saying. And it was just this rambling thing about how the opening ceremony and things and Ireland's chances of the World Cup show how important uh, tech has become in Ireland and how they've become a world leader in in that sort of new new space uh, in economies and things. And I messaged a couple of people like, is this is this has he been hacked? Is this some, some kind of scam? And everyone just came back to said, no, this is just how Jamie Heaslip is. Uh, famously, he put out a poll that said, should I start a podcast? And 80 uh, percent of people voted no. So <laughs> I think he's. He's known as a bit of a weird fish, shall we say. So that was a bit of a light relief before we uh, kicked off a single rugby ball this weekend. Um, anyway, speaking of the first rugby ball that was kicked this weekend, let's dive straight into the World Cup action with uh, the big match between France and the All Blacks. What did you make of this one, mate? Didn't see this one coming, just like I didn't see the Springboks hammering New Zealand coming. Um, I had the All Blacks down uh, to win by five. And for me, they just, they did like, for all of France's brilliance, I just feel like the All Blacks didn't turn up. Um, their handling errors were poor. I'm not sure what they were trying to do in attack. It was just a really deflating uh, performance from them. And, you know, I, I was quite, quite, I was quite confident with them going into the World Cup that they'd really pick it up, um, especially with Joe Schmidt now working behind the scenes. And, you know, we did see some really strong performances from the All Blacks. Uh, during the rugby championship but they were just they just weren't at the races were they um but of course we have to talk about France and and they were absolutely brilliant it was a great I think what what a showdown I think for an opening game of a World Cup 
um we can touch on it again obviously the, the choir boys and girls uh yeah didn't add to the atmosphere at the beginning but i think the the rugby did the talk and thankfully but yeah just just kind of deflated by the the all blacks and now from an irish perspective i'm definitely now hoping that ireland come uh come up against the, the all blacks in the quarters uh, especially having won a tour down there um for the first time ever um at the end of last year what about yourself what did you think yeah well first thing that i'll say is you can't sack a children's choir what, what are you going to do to it sorry boys and girls everybody hates you um go home you can't do that so um i think the children's choirs are going to be here to stay unless there's someone absolutely brutal in in, in France. Um, but anyway, on the game itself, uh, yeah, obviously the All Blacks scored first, which was a bit of a, a, oh, didn't expect that kind of thing. There was a lot of games this weekend, and I think we'll see it as a trend of the World Cup. Try scored in the first three minutes seems to be a thing. This was a thing that Eddie Jones kind of pioneered with England, where make a big play, first chance you get, first line out you get, do your best attacking move. Because once you're in front, in Test Match Rugby, especially between Tier 1 nations, once you're in front, in front, you tend to stay in front. Comebacks don't often happen. So I guess that's the thinking behind it. Obviously, that's what the All Blacks did to South Africa in the Rugby Championship. Um, when we were all expecting um, the South Africans to win that game. But yeah, I, I agree that the All Blacks just... We all thought they were back, didn't we? After the Rugby Championship, we all said, oh... They're back. They don't stay down for long. I think the biggest change for the All Blacks for me is the All Blacks, it used to be they turn up and they do their thing. and It almost doesn't matter who they're playing. Whereas now we're seeing teams like South Africa, France and Ireland playing their game uh, and they go up against the All Blacks and um, they they play a natural game and the All Blacks are tailoring their game to try and suit and trying to out manoeuvre opposition which just isn't very all blacksy you know I don't know whether that you know Joe Schmidt we, we, you and I are both big fans of him but is he just not an all blacks coach because the all blacks do the all blacks thing and other people have to try and stop them whereas trying to make all these chess moves for picking specific teams is that just not how they do business you know and I think in that second half France just kept turning the screw and turning the screw and turning the screw I'm sure if you looked at like the territory maps as the game went on, France were just pushing the All Blacks back and back and back and back. And then that final try with the bounce, I was watching it and I said to myself, if that ball hits the ground and bounces, France are in. And it did. Um, yeah. it, it, but it was coming. It was coming all half. France played a perfect game. I, th I think, again, questioning the All Blacks, I just don't know if these players are used to adversity, you know. I just don't yeah. know if they're just used to winning in Super Rugby every single week, if they're used to 10 years of being, just blowing other nations off the field. Now, when someone sticks it to them, they they don't know how to, to hack it in that kind of a thing. They don't know how to play tight. If they're not, they're kind of like, they don't know how to not be winning by 10, you know. Um, so it's a question. But I think France, France still look a little bit shaky for me. I, I do think their injuries took... Mm. Um, it took an impact, you know, especially when they were transitioning from defence to attack off a turnover. It looked a little bit ropey. It might be nerves, but I also think it's to not having that cohesion. Nine, ten, twelve, thirteen. I do think that is is having an impact. So we're interested to see how that goes as the tournament um, progresses. 
Are you telling me, mate, that you saw a bit of an analysis from Bernard Jackman today where he was talking about a specific tactic the teams are using against the All Blacks to try and they've figured out a formula, something like that? Yeah, it was a very short clip that Jim Hamilton shared of him and it, it was recorded on against the head on RTE in Ireland where Bernard basically um, kind of analysed Francis, you know, what France did and how they approached um, the New Zealand game. But what, what they analysed was was teams like Ireland and how, you know, what, what tactics did Ireland um, employ when beating New Zealand and other teams. And one of the points that he makes essentially is that you know, on, on turnover ball, um, and he showed a clip of this, um, and France had altered the ball for about 23 seconds before kicking it. But the whole point, what he was saying was that on average, you know, if, if teams that beat the All Blacks um, on turnover play, they'll usually have the ball for about 20 seconds before they'll, unless they're making a lot of grounds or they're about to score or whatever, they'll they usually kick the ball away or or, or make us or make another play. Um, Whereas teams who tend to lose against the All Blacks maybe hold on to the ball for about 40 seconds uh, or about six rooks and they tend to lose against the All Blacks. Now, it might sound a bit simple, but it obviously is something that, look, if you're not going any for if you're not going any for 20 seconds or for about three rooks, you need to do something. And there's no point just just playing and playing and losing energy. And um, it's maybe it's just a case of, you know, giving the ball back, letting them come back to you and then going again. Um, and it's something it is interesting. And we, we, we spoke about this before. Like we know that France, you know, kick the ball a lot. They don't pass a lot. They're, you know, they're quite conservative sometimes. Like we all think a lot of people, I think, think they just play as you as you a game. But we all know that's not true. They they live off counterattack. But it was just fascinating to hear that insight from Bernard where it's, you know, it is obviously there is a lot of thought put into to those counterattacks. And especially even like it's it's just fascinating to me that they might only that, that their plan is to maybe only go for three phases or for uh, 20 seconds before actually going, look, we need to get rid of the ball here uh, and try try again because we're just going to waste our energy or whatnot. But uh, it was a short enough clip. Um, but again, just a small bit of insight. And again, just another description of just another piece of announcement on, on how France attacked and just, that I thought was really interesting. And yeah, that actually, I just wanted to make one small correction. It was Ireland did a, a summer tour to um, New Zealand. Not It wasn't at the end of last year. Uh, moving on though, mate. Uh, you know, Scotland versus South Africa. What did you think? We, we've got the traffic light system, same old Scotland. Yeah. What are your thoughts <laughs> on this overall game? There's so there are so I love Razzie Rasmus and Jack Nina. Oh, there, there are always so many talking points. Uh, I love it. I've got uh, some people are saying that oh, this traffic light system taking things away from the players and things. I love it. I like there's stories from years ago of Razi Erasmus going up and standing on the roof of stadiums in Super Rugby when he was coaching. I want to say it was the Storms, but I've probably got that wrong. Cheetahs. I think he did. I think he started at the Cheetahs, yeah. That's where he first did it. Okay. And he literally had semaphore flags. And when the, the Cheetahs had an attacking line out, he would stand up there and he would look at the shape of the opposition and he'd be like this, doing all the different of, of the moves that he wanted the team to play. So he's always been like this. And, you know, I, he's such an innovator. Like his whole thing about making himself the assistant coach and Nunaba the head coach so that Razzie can be down on the touchline and things. It's just, it's brilliant. And I think if I focus on South Africa first, there's so much I love about South Africa that just doesn't get credit. People talk about them playing 10-man rugby and they're physically dominant and they're huge men and things like that. It's a bit of a myth that South Africa have the biggest pack. They have a big pack, but there are other packs out there that are bigger. If you made a, a World Cup 
pack of the biggest players. There wouldn't be any South Africans in there. It's it's so much more nuanced, and they've got such great, skillful players and so much technique. And there's the stat that's going around at the moment that's getting a lot of airtime is how their run meters have like doubled in the last two years. They've gone from running 200 meters a game to 500 meters a game. Um, and I think part of that is Leboc, who I've been a long-term fan of. I love, I love the the arrogance with which he plays. He's a bit like Finn Russell. I love how he's like, I am the guy, and I all these fans in this stadium they're here to see me. I love that. I I wish Wales had more players like that. Um, but yeah, and just watching South Africa execute this game plan just speaks to me. Firstly, of how well coached they are, and secondly, how smart their players are. Whenever you see Khaleesi get interviewed and things, he, he comes across as so intelligent and so eloquent. And they're clearly like, they know what they're doing every single moment of the game. And what I always say about the box is, they batter you, but not on the scoreboard. So 18 points to three sounds like a bit of a you know, tight-ish game, maybe? No, the box can absolutely hammer you for 80 minutes. And you look up the scoreboard and you're in within, within 10. You're like, how did how are we that close we've been absolutely destroyed here um so yeah so i i love watching the box play they're so organized they're so skillful all of their backs are world class um and like i say their rugby iq for me is is the best of anybody's um what about you mate i don't want to make enemies of any of my scottish friends um so you tell me what you think of scotland I've said it on here before. I, I truly believe that they, Scotland do have superstars. I think Finn Russell is one of the best tens in the world. And I really believe that Scotland can beat any team in the world on their day. I genuinely thought that there was a chance, and I think a lot of people did, that, that Scotland did have a chance to beat South Africa. But I think South Africa's just sheer physicality told in the end. Um, Scotland did extremely well in that first half to hang in there. That, that scrum penalty that they won right before end of the first half was so impressive it was such a good lift and but I just feel like that 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 spring box yeah as you were kind of saying like they might be hammering away at the end but but it mightn't show show up on the scoreboard but it certainly shows up in terms of physicality and you can see the, the Scottish players getting potentially tired like all of that when you have these you know big forwards running at you it does uh, wear you out and, and unfortunately that that's probably what happened from a, a Scottish perspective that that pressure that that physical dominance dominance from the South, South Africans um, paid off in the end and yeah we have to talk about the defence don't we South Africa's defence was just uh, so, Scotland just unfortunately didn't have any any answers to it did they like the that, that rush defence um, you could see Scotland trying to to get the ball around um they tried to chip it over a couple of times but it was and it was really quite fascinating watching russell try to to unpick the defense but i think it was it was south africa's sheer physicality um and defense that that won them that game and just touching on the traffic system yeah it's it's great it's a nice talking point isn't it and you know there have there has been criticism of it and it like there is the argument that it does take some sort of you know agency away from the players uh, I'll be honest, from my perspective, I I do like the idea of rugby coaches being in a box away from from the players and just leaving it up to the to the captains and leaders and teams to to make these pivotal decisions. But at the same time, Rassi Rasmus has won a World Cup with the South Africans, so I can't really say much, can I? You know, and and I think yeah, it's it's just brilliant. Um, 
and it's 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 so innovative and it's just yeah it it's it, it's just a nice it's just a hilarious talking point as well um yeah. but look it's it's bloody well works for them and, that, and that's the most important thing from a south african perspective like so who cares if, if they are taking the agency away i mean it's if it we I think that that point would have more validity if they if they were if they didn't win the last World Cup or if they weren't such a yeah. strong side. Um, but yeah, what what a great talking point I suppose the traffic yeah, light system. It, I never thought. If I if I'm South African and anyone says anything to me about the way they play or anything, I just hold up a World Cup winners medal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that that's the argument against the the agency piece. Like, yeah, you are taken away from the the leaders and the team, but hey, it's working. It's and you can easy. still like their 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 leaders there's a leadership and their early you know like there are other ways of of expressing that and of making important decisions like they're not making every decision for them um yeah. but yeah if you've got a genius making the decisions for you I'd, I'd be like yeah i'll do what he tells me to do because he's a genius um so yeah. yeah just quickly my point on scotland i was a bit against the grain i never thought scotland were going to win this game so i i looked i posted it on twitter at Scotland's results um, over the last year and some of the years before that, Scotland have not been any of the top teams in recent, probably since the turn of the century. They haven't beaten the All Blacks. They beat South Africa once in 2010. They haven't beaten them since then. They've beaten Ireland, I want to say, twi- five times in 20 years and um, only once, not at Murray Field. Um, I'm sorry, Sc- Scotland, uh, a lot of things. Winners is not one of those things. So that's my incredibly harsh take. Um, Scotland fans, uh, if you're going to rage at me, please do it in the YouTube comments so you boost our engagement. So let's move on to the best game of the weekend. <laughs> uh, England v Argentina. Uh, you're I based in England. Heard, I'll let you go first on this one. I haven't heard anyone talk about the actual, the actual game. So all of the discussion about this game has been about the red cards. No one has talked about the game itself. Obviously, George Ford kicked his job goals, which was very nice. Um, and they did win the game, you know. So it turns out Ford, um, red cards don't ruin games, guys. We only have known this for years. <sighs> um, so I have to give credit to George Ford for stepping up and going, listen, guys, defend and give me the ball. And his, his team did that. I have to give credit to the England defence for the energy that they brought. Uh, South Africa, sorry, Argentina were hopeless. It was one of the worst performances I've ever seen from a test side in terms of complete incompetence. Um, Their fly half obviously got sin-binned. And when he came back on, you thought, oh, okay, he'll be all right now because now they'll have shape because they've got a fly half. Unfortunately, the fly half that they're selecting at the moment isn't a natural fly half. He's a 15 or a centre by trade. And it was just devoid of ideas, devoid of um, organisation. This game felt like, to me, like it went on for three hours. I don't know about you, man. Yeah, and for me, one, one of the most frustrating parts of watching the Argentinian performance was how incompetent they were under the high ball how many drop balls like they knew exactly what was like you'd, you i'd say the analysis of england takes about five minutes and like we you know exactly what they're going to do we've spoken about we won't repeat ourselves we know exactly how they want to play and they've just doubled down on that which is pretty admirable and and we had this discussion on a different pod on, on the scoop pod like what what were england going to do we all know like what they've done is just 
they've gotten better at what they're trying to do, which is a really limited game plan. Um, and yeah, fair play to them. Like it's a World Cup, it's Cup Rugby um, and they got the win and they thoroughly deserved it. But yeah, you have to talk about how poor um, Argentina were. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on another head headshot. Um, there, and there is discourse. The only thing I do want to say on, on the head impacts, uh, I have seen the criticism go out now that because, you know, we're going to, we want players dropping in height. And then um, it was, again, it was the, it was the Australia game, wasn't it? Um, where the scrum half, was it Gordon? No, not Gordon. Sorry, who is the Australian? Uh, I got this wrong. I want to say I said it was Nick White, but that's not right. It was Tate McDermott, I think. Tate McDermott. Sorry, yeah, Tate McDermott. Yeah, so he essentially got knocked out, and yeah, it was I think either a knee or a leg, basically to the to the head. Um, so I've seen this during the rounds that you know, of course, if we do drop the height, that this is going to increase concussion levels. But all the evidence and all the data so far suggests that it's it's the head shots, right, that that are causing most concussions. Um, so look, it's uh, yeah, I, I don't want to spend too long on it, but we all know where we are. Um, I saw today on my commute that he's uh, that Curry's gotten a ban. I think that that that's that's right. Um, I think we just we just move on. Um, I don't want to spend this entire World Cup talking about um headshots and bans. Yeah, I, I yeah, I can't believe we're still having these conversations. The the head tackle, the head contact rules have not changed since before the last World Cup. We spent the whole last World Cup talking about it, talking about it, and now here we are again. I think it's very cynical from pundits and news outlets, particularly in England, where most of this is coming from, um, who know that the majority of the people engaged with them at during these next two months are people who have not watched any rugby since the last World Cup, which will come on to uh, something related to that in, in a bit. Now, I'm not, I'm not, saying that trying to be gatekeeper or anything i'm attacking these media outlets for being cynical um it i i'm a scarlet's fan i've watched scarlet's players get red carded every other week for every kind of head contact you can imagine okay i know what a red card is now and i saw that tom curry thing i was like that's a red card i've seen 10 of those since the last world cup and they all got a red card um and here we are again don't players, rugby players, don't give the referee an excuse to send you off. If you are tackling someone and you are you are like this, like when you learned to tackle as a kid, did you learn to tackle like this? Or did you learn to tackle bend of the hips, get your shoulder into it, you know, things like that? Tom Curry, look me in the eyes and tell me that that is a good tackle technique. That is a safe way to tackle. No, it isn't. So, and Clive Woodward and all the bloody writers for the Telegraph, you all know that as well. Um, and it's just stirring the pot to try and get people wound up. And like I said, anybody who has watched any amount of rugby on a regular basis, no no one is questioned that that was a red card. Everyone agreed it was a red card. It's only cynical people trying to get um, engagement online who are saying that it's not. So that's my piece on that. And speaking of the, uh, the English media in general, I suppose that moves us on nicely to our next discussion point, which is ITV in general. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of yeah discourse in, in the UK, I suppose, a lot, of, a lot of negativity coming out about their coverage. I've seen shots of the studio. People aren't happy with the studio. People aren't happy with, yeah, 
certain pundits uh from your experience like from an Irish like let me just tell you from an Irish experience like we've got RT and Verhamida spitting the rights here I and mean, they're doing a pretty good job and um, there is one highly controversial uh pundit in Ireland um but you know he gets people talking but I they're you know in general the 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 coverage is quite good um I don't know yeah what's what's the story with IT what's what's going on so um the the word that I would use to describe ITV's coverage is lazy. I think they're extremely lazy. Um, the host that they've got to to come and host it for them is their football host, who does the football men's World Cup. So um, the uh, the football World Cup in the UK, there's um, broadcast rights are split between ITV and the BBC, uh, and the World Cup um, final is shown on both. And there's a meme that goes around every four years, which is I'll be watching the World Cup final on ITV, said no one ever. Um, ITV's sports broadcasting across the board, not just um, on rugby, is extremely lazy. Um, They have pundits on who everyone is sick of. Everyone is sick of Clive Woodward. Everyone is sick of the 2003 gang that they get on. um, Who, you know, Clive Woodward and Johnny Wilkinson have openly admitted on air I haven't watched this team. Oh, I haven't watched these players. And they're there to give insight to us. Um, and they're just, they're so out of touch. And it they've clearly made, like I said, the cynical decision of most of the people who have tuned in to watch um, haven't watched any rugby since the last World Cup. And rather than go, great, let's uh, get these people watching rugby every week. Let's tell the stories of uh, countries like Samoa, Tonga, Chile, uh, Namibia, who have got incredible stories that you can, if you go on Squidge's rugby channel, you can see he tells the stories of these guys. And it's fascinating. People love these kinds of stories that they haven't heard. You know, look at all the documentaries and things on Netflix that do huge numbers um, that are about things you've never heard of before. That's something that we're trying to do on this um, show. This is something we're trying to develop ourselves. ITV, mm, no, let's just get Clive Woodward in and show some clips of 2003. That'll do. You know, this, that, I think that's the phrase that um, must be said most in ITV offices. That'll do. That'll do. There's no one in there. I don't think they have a rugby editor or whatever you want to call it. There's no meeting that's been in there and they've all gone, right, how do we make the best possible product for rugby fans? It just doesn't happen. You know, there's something else that pisses obviously Welsh and Scottish fans off is the let's talk about England bias um, where in games that England aren't even playing in, they'll go, what about England? They're the English broadcaster and the vast majority of the people who tuned in are England fans. So I cut them some slack, but like I said, it is at the expense and at the detriment of the product. And it is not just hardcore rugby fans like me and you, who are um, getting a bum deal. It is new rugby fans who are going to be kept in that state of only tuning in for World Cups and not tuning in every week. So I would go so far as to say that ITV's broadcasting actively harms the sport of rugby. And that is why you get people who don't speak Welsh tuning in to S4C to watch it in Welsh, because they say that's better than watching it on ITV. And you get people using VPNs to watch Stan Sport instead of ITV. That That's... That's my rant. Um, like I said, it, the, the sooner that a different broadcaster picks it up or there's some kind of huge shake up at the top of ITV, the better. 
So that's probably it for our, our big news stories of the week. Uh, we said we'd spend 10 minutes on it. I don't know how long we've been going on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there were so many talking points. And hey, look, it's the, the opening weekend of the of the World Cup. There was plenty to, to talk about. So uh, let's move on. Um, so do you want to talk about Wales, Fiji, Hugh? Um, okay. Hello to all our Fiji listeners. Um, we love you guys. Um, I said before this game, I don't care how Wales win, so long as they win. And then I saw Semi Radradra drop the ball with the try line at his mercy, and I thought, I didn't want to win like that. Um, that sucked. Semi is obviously not just a legend of Fijian rugby, but of rugby in general. Um, and to see a, a man of his stature just lose it in his moment of glory just sucks. I, I didn't want to see that. I would much rather Wales had beat them 40-0 than beat them like that. A lot of chat about the referee. I think Wales got the rub of the green. But at the same time, I don't think you could say that Matt Carley got anything directly wrong. I think if you went back on all, all these big decisions, uh, I think you could say, uh, yeah, it's a best of 50-50. If not, he's got it spot on. Um I think maybe his game management about the yellow cars and things could have been a bit better. And I do, I do feel that Wales rode their luck heavily at times in that game. But at the same time, Wales at one point were 32-14 up. It should never have come down to the last play of the game. This has been a Wales thing now since the 2021 Six Nations where we were going to secure a grand slam out in France and then we got two yellow cards and threw it away in the last play of the game. And it happened in on tour in South Africa, it happened last year in the autumn against Australia. I don't know what it is. It's a mental thing. We get two, three scores ahead and we think, job done, lads, and then we stop playing. And, oh my God, it needs to change. It needs to change right now. Hopefully, you know, the difference this time was that Wales won, which is make, makes a difference. And I think that is the Gatland effect. Um, so, yeah, I think... It'll be a big game against Australia now to see who tops the group, but we've taken a huge step towards qualifying. But from a Fijian point of view, I mean, you guys have heard me talk about Fiji so much over the last few weeks, and I was gutted for you. Uh, and it really sucks that you now have a, basically a, your World Cup final against Australia next week. Yeah. And that if you lose that, you're out. That 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 to me is more unfair about than anything about Ireland having to play against South Africa and Scotland. Um, yeah, uh, you, Fiji. I heard um, Francisco, um, the Portuguese journalist on the Rat Podcast today, saying he still thinks that Fiji are the best team in Pool D, and I kind of go with that. Um, yeah, I think that their players are amazing. Nathalevu and Radradra, in the senses, in defence, not amazing, but in attack, I don't think there's a better attacking centre partnership. Um, yeah, a, a great group of players, a really likable team. And I don't know, from, from your point of view as a neutral mate, I'm sure you were you were gutted to see Fiji lose that one. Absolutely gutted. But also, I think, you know, quite, I'm like, it, it's absolutely gutting to, to see them lose like that. Um, but I would, from a new perspective, I, I do think they should have won. But I think what what's great uh, from this discourse almost is that we're talking about, you know, Fiji being a really good side now and potentially being the best side in that group. And I think that that that's really a testament to how far Fiji have come. And we all, like I strongly believe that they can beat Australia. Now I do, I could see Australia pulling an upset there and actually beating them, but 
I think it's just what it's great to be talking about Fiji in this vein. I think that they're they've come on so far and that they have world class players now. I think we did obviously Mons was a massive loss, wasn't he? Like the, there were some scores left out there. And um, but again, we've sp- spoken about it before. Their game management, they they play with a style now that's not you know it's it's a mature game plan and and we saw that again. And look, they're they're up there now. They're a very good team. And yeah, I don't want to go too heavy on 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 refing decisions. I get kind of bored of that type. Like rugby's hard enough to to um, referee it. Like it's it's almost impossible, isn't it? But I did feel. Yeah, like there there were multiple infringements and there there probably should have been there should have been a, a Wales player put in the bin, um, which is unfortunate. But look, I, I think they'll be back. I really do think they'll come back strong from this. They can beat um yeah, Australia, they really can. And one final point I want to make on this as well, and this is something that you did in your deep dive. You know, there are 18 players now playing for the Drew right and who play for Fiji. And that cohesion that you've talked about before is obviously telling. And look at the look at the opposite. Look at Argentina, how they've, you know, like I know, you know, like that. Hopefully that was that was a once off from Argentina. But if Argentina continue in that vein and they do suffer another heavy loss or they put in another poor performance, you know, where does that maybe show that like the loss of the Jaguar, the Aguares, I should say, has been, you know, had this detrimental effect, just like um, the Sunwolves in Japan. Whereas then, obviously, um, on the other side, you see Fiji now put in these really good, strong performances because they've got that coherent group of players playing together regularly. Um, but having said that, though, I'm sure you saw the news um, that the Aguaris are joining Super Rugby again in, from 2026, a, which is good. Is that confirmed? So it's ah, not, it's confirmed. not confirmed. So I, it, I, I shared this. So this is on... Uh, America uh, Rugby News, which is a great website. Um, anybody should check it out. Um, really fantastic stuff they're doing um, over there and it's rumoured so I think someone in Argentinian rugby has come up and said that they've had an invite to come and join Super Rugby now obviously without getting too distracted that does raise the question of is Super Rugby expanding again which they had previously decided was a bad idea or are they going to cut some teams like maybe are they going to cut an Australian team or something that's up in the air um, but clearly it would be better for Argentinian rugby yeah. if they did have a team in that level of competition. Yeah. Um, I suppose moving on to the other game of the weekend, we had Australia v Georgia. Yeah. Australia finally have a win under Jones. <laughs> what did yeah, you think? Uh, Eddie Jones's first win f- uh, for Australia. Uh, again, um, I think Georgia will be kicking themselves after this game. I think Georgia had all of the ingredients and all of the ideas of how to beat Australia. And I think nerves did it. I think there were plenty of times where they were in a really great position um, playing uh, really attacking rugby. Um, and they just choked, not choked, choked's a hard word, but they kicked it away when they didn't need to. They made the wrong decision, the wrong pass. Like the Niniash really won. Um where he got the ball and he ran straight through the Australian defence and he had four men on his left uh, and he had uh, Australians in front of him. All he had to do was pass it and it was something like a four on three, four on two and it could have been try time. He holds on to it, he takes contact and then he panics, he tries to offload off the ground, it goes to Australian player who intercepts and runs in unopposed. Just gutting, just gutting. 
this is a great example for me, this game, why Tier 2 nations like Georgia need regular test matches against the likes of Australia and Tier 1 nations. Call me mental, and people might not like this. If Australia were playing a three-test series away in Georgia, they lose again. I think over three-test series, Georgia uh, win one game against Australia. Uh, I think, like I said, Georgia had all the ingredients to do it, um, but uh, gutingly fell short. I mean, from a Wales fan's point of view, I hope they fall short against us as well. Um, but I think the consensus would be that they'll play better. But Australia got the job done. Um, four tries, thanks very much. Um, bonus point um, for them. Big game this week. And then they've got Wales the week after. So they've got... Mm they've got to go. Carter Gordon as well is definitely benefiting from his time in the saddle. Um, he's yeah. not a world beater yet, but he's the more time he gets there, the, the better he is getting. Uh, another game then, mate. Tell me about what your boys did to poor, poor old Romania. Yeah, it was... Um, yeah, look, I don't want to go too hard on the Romanians. Uh, it was job done for Ireland. It's what we expect. I did, when I saw that Johnny Sex was starting, I literally told my housemate that the score would be 85-5. Um, I wasn't that far off. I just knew that they were going to take it really seriously. And yeah, it just showed the gulf, unfortunately, in class between the, the two sides. Um, but from Ireland, yeah, it was it was job done, wasn't it? They, they played very well, some standout performers. Uh, I do strongly believe, yeah, Sexton was was the kingpin. Like he he was the reason we won that game. He scored two tries. He's back to his best. Uh, he doesn't. It just shows he doesn't need any sort of game time to get back up to speed or to get back into form. He just pulled a performance out like that. Um, yeah, he is truly our leader. And if he, as I say it again, if he doesn't make it through, um, with Ireland to the knockouts, I don't think we're winning the World Cup. But if he does stay fit, we are. Um, but yeah, brilliant performance from Ireland. Um, but nobody wants to see that kind of scoreline, especially in a World Cup. It's, it doesn't. I don't see how it benefits the tournament. It's just really sad to see. I just like yeah, I, like I was honestly, I was delighted to see Romania make that strong start and make that you know to score under the sticks. Um, but then probably potentially that. The misconversion maybe summed up where they're potentially at at the moment. Like they, we all know that Romania used to be way better, and so it's, it's you know it's probably just a cyclical thing. Like they, I'm sure they will be back, and um, but I just I just feel like it's it's a sad sight to see in a, in a World Cup when 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 teams are scoring that many points um, against others. I just don't. Yeah, it's just it was difficult to watch. I think at times, um, I don't like those scores. Some people that really enjoy those high scoring games are one side is just completely dominating the other. I want to see a competitive game and that's no disrespect to Romania. It's just, a, you know, it's a, like, there are so many differences between Irish rugby and Romania rugby that we won't get into today. Um, but everybody knew that result was coming. Did, did you get a chance to watch the game? I did. Yeah. Um, I didn't pay. I wasn't taking notes, put it that way. Um, I, like you, mate, I, I saw that kind of scoreline coming and it it's it sucked uh, again. I'm using that word a lot. It's just not fun to see someone take 80 points at a World Cup. It shouldn't really be happening. Um, I do think, like exactly as you said, I think Romania are in a, in a particularly bad patch um, and Ireland are the best team in the world. So it was uh, a mismatch of all mismatches. Um, but yeah, I, I guess well done to Ireland, but I would just caution Ireland fans 
uh, you in to to borrow a, a phrase, I think it's from Rocky. You're beating up bums at the moment. Um, you're playing bad teams and you're beating them easily. Um, so I would be, I wouldn't take this as a sign of anything about how you'll do against the box. But that's the great thing about rugby is that we'll get to see that. Okay, mate. Uh, next game, uh, Italy versus Namibia. Did you manage to catch any of this one? You're on mute, mate. I'm back. Did you get a chance to see it? I didn't get actually had a chance to see this game. Yeah, so I did. Uh, it was a good first half. Um, I th- a trend that we saw in this game, and it will you saw it again in a game that we're going to talk about next: um, Japan versus Chile. Just the minnow team, just at 60 minutes, it, they were, it's, it was kind of a bit of a fix, really, that they were both playing at midday or close to midday in these unbelievably hot conditions. And uh, on 60 minutes, just pff, fell off a cliff. They were done. They didn't have the, the fitness or they didn't have the depth off the bench to bring on and um, maintain a contest. So Italy ran away with it. Um, it was a little bit of a harsh um, scoreline. I would say that Namibia's ball carrying was extremely impressive. Every time they went into contact, they were gaining meterage. Um, but they just, whether it was patience or composure or something, they just would get to a point and then lose the ball, and that would be the end of the, their attack. But they did play they did play quite well. Uh, their goal kicker, everyone's talking about their goal kicker. Um, Swanepoel, I want to say he's called. I probably horribly mispronounced that. Uh, he can kick them from space. <laughs> like, he is is unreal the kind of distance he gets on them, like, He's kicking him from his own half and is landing in the stands. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is seriously impressive. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, Italy were comfortable. Everyone was panicking a bit because I think everyone stacked their fantasy teams with it, uh, Italian players. And Capuozzo didn't score until like the 55th minute. Um, but then luckily mm-hmm. when he did, it was a very nice one. Um, the uh, blockbuster bunny, as uh, Claire Thomas calls him. Oh, blockbuster pixie, sorry. Uh, so yeah, that was it. Um, so I guess the question on everyone's lips is whether Italy can give the All Blacks a game. It, I guess it depends what kind of team the All Blacks put out um, for me. I don't know. What do you reckon, mate? All Blacks will put out their their strongest team. They'll be hurting. I don't see the Italians causing upset. Um, I've backed the All Blacks twice now and they've let me down, but I... I I think Italy will put in a strong performance for at least 40 minutes. But an angry All Blacks, you know, they've suffered two bad losses now. I think they're going to come back and, and win this. I'd love to say that Italy will win, but I, I just, I don't see it. Like there is a lot happening in, in attack, but their defense has leaked tries recently. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening. What about you? I agree. I think it will be, they'll give them a game for the first half or so. And then I think, the All Blacks will reap their revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the final game before we go on to some fantasy stuff. So as promised in the short that was up on the channel, um, we're going to be doing stats deep dives on any Tier 2 derbies. Um, so there was only one Tier 2 derby this uh, weekend, which was Japan versus Chile. So I'm going to share my screen and then we'll talk about the stats. So this is... First thing I'll say is this is um, World Rugby's official Rugby World Cup stats website. It's good, not perfect. Um, the tackle stats, for example, Nyathalevi was down as having a 0.2 tackle percent success. 
uh, from the Wales game, which unless he made attempted 500 tackles and missed 499 of them, I think um, is wrong. So take some of it with a pinch of salt. I've also got the rugby pass um, stats here, which all do match up. So I suspect they're using the same provider and I suspect that it's Opta. Um, different providers do come up with different stats. So just be wary of that. Um, but I think really the story of this game, firstly, it was a it was a fantastic game to watch. It was such a breath of fresh air. We literally went from Argentina, England to this and like two more different games of rugby you couldn't you couldn't have wished to watch. Um, I think the, the takeaway was Chile just gave it everything. Chile ran from everywhere. They just were like, we're here and we're going to um, we're going to excite people. Um, they scored first uh, with a slightly fortunate but correct um, decision about uh, the ball coming off a leg rather than hand, so not being a knock on. A bit like Samoa's try against Ireland. Um, but yeah, like I said, they just they gave it everything. They um, you can see here from the um, possession metrics. So this shows where they were on the pitch. Um, and you can see that they had most of their ball between their own 22 and halfway. So that tells you that they were trying to just play out all the time, which was very fun to watch, very fun to watch. But it just it didn't work, really. Um, they would get again, they were getting meters, but they would just fall apart by the time they got to the try line. Um, I think if I show the kick stats down here, you can see they kicked a lot less than, than Japan, which is the story really of any team that loses a game, to be honest. Um, Japan, it was a nice confidence builder for them. They haven't had much to shout about. Um, they would have obviously been highly fancied to win. Um, but yeah, I think they've got England next, so they can take a bit of positives, plenty of tries, um, and reasonably, you know, good, good meters. You can see they kicked uh, a lot more, but you can see again, um, passes and things, um, considering the, the, possession that Chile had you can see that they ran everything look you can see 27 defenders beaten compared to Japan's 20 and yet Japan scores six tries um and uh, Chile only scored two but like I say Chile a great addition to the World Cup if the World Cup does expand to 24 teams hopefully we get to see them every four years uh 24 expanded 24 teams I should say um but yeah so that takes us nicely to our World Cup um tracker with maths and tables and spreadsheets. So um, this is publicly available. There'll be a link in the description below. There's also a link on our Twitter and in various other places as well. So if you want to check this out, click on it. You can you can go and have a look and poke and prod all the numbers and things. Um, this is our own little mathematical way, the Pirate Rugby Tier 2 team of the tournament. Um, first thing I'll say is, coming up with the formulas for this, I now have complete sympathy with whoever came up with the formulas for the world rankings which everybody hates because coming up with this in a way that makes sense is really difficult because um, you have to take into account who they were playing. So you can't just say that Romania are the worst because they were playing the best team in the world. Similarly, mm. you can't just give Japan all the praise because they were beating a team that they should easily have been beating. But all of the explanation of the, all the formulas and things is on the side here, guys. I'm not going to read it all out for you here and now. Um, you can pause the video and read it or read it in your own time. But Trust me, it's with the best intentions. And if anyone's got any other suggestions, tweet me or leave it in the comments below and I'll look at them later. Um, but Japan, as the only winners of a game so far, are currently the leading tier two nation. Um, 
and I think second is uh, Georgia, uh, and then uh, where's Fiji? Oh, sorry, no, Fiji are just ahead of Georgia, who are quite close, uh, and Namibia are currently ranked lowest. Romania are above uh, Namibia and Chile, and then obviously Samoa and Portugal haven't played yet, neither have Uruguay or Tonga. So yeah, so that's where it is. Uh, you can check it out in your own time, guys. We've also got on the other tab the schedule of when all the Tier 2 nations are playing, and we've highlighted any derbies here. So the stats deep dive next week will be on some of the Chile, and then we've got a few more in Round 4 to, to really look forward to. So if you if you wanted to know when some of the lesser spoken about teams are playing, you can check it out here. It's all in one place. Or you can check Ender's TV guide on Twitter as well. So... That brings us nicely on to um, Fantasy Rugby, mate. So we didn't do amazing, but that's because we um, played um, with morals and we picked a team, uh, player from each team. So uh, let's very quickly update this then. So we uh, I've taken out all the players who aren't playing this week. So let's start from the top. We need a prop for this week. So have you got anyone in mind? I'll take some of the filters off. Okay, so... Are we still going ahead with our player from each team, or how are we doing this now? I think we're very going very quickly going to lose track of that. So just pick anybody. <laughs> um, Finley Bealham. Finley Bealham. Why? Because he is going to play this weekend. Assuming and I love Finley Bealham, and he plays for Connacht. He plays just my favorite Irish province. As as much reason as we need. Right, lock. Right, I'm going to pick a lock. Um, I'm going to pick a Samoa player who haven't played yet. Um, and I'm going to pick uh, Theo McFarland, who people might know from Saracens. Um, it was has been listed in a lot of top player um, rankings as a back row, but he's actually being used as a uh, second row for Samoa. So just correct yourself there, guys. Um, need another loose forward, mate. Uh, anyone spring to your mind? You can't pick an Irish player every time. What here? What here? So he's playing against uh, Australia. So he came off the bench against Wales. Yeah. So I wonder if he's going to start this week. Okay. Yeah, I like it. We did pick him originally in the last podcast, but I took him out because he was on the bench. Um, when we start seeing uh, some team, more teams get announced, um, we might come in and change this guy. So um, you can jump on and, and check it out for us uh, if you want to keep up to date on it. Right. So that just leaves uh, a couple of outside backs. Right. Another outside back that I'm going to pick, uh, again, from a team that hasn't played yet, I'm going to pick Piatau uh, from Tonga. He's down as Charles Piatau in this, but I think he's actually using a Tongan name. I, I want to say it's Celesi. Um, but I might have I probably mispronounced that. I've mispronounced everything, guys. It's not just a Duncan thing, I promise. Um, which leaves you to pick the last outside back, mate, to complete our team. Who are you thinking? Duhan. Uh, we're going to see more of him. Um, I feel like the Scots didn't use him enough, so let's put him in random Irv down. Duhan. I'm not sure Scotland are playing this weekend. Are they off this weekend? Oh, they have two weeks off. You're dead right. We can't go with that option. So... Who else? Do you have any preference? Um, I'm trying to think who's playing. Who are New Zealand playing? New Zealand They're playing Italy, playing right? Italy. 
Yes, uh, I'll tell you what. Why don't I just look on the thing that I just told everybody they were doing? They're playing Namibia. Oh, wow. Okay, right. yeah, so, we, need, we need to, yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking now Will Jordan, because I... My I was just going to say, yeah, because you can, yeah, you can change yeah. around, yeah. My theory is that Will Jordan is going to be playing at fullback for this game. Put him in. Great stuff. Can you hear me, mate? My sound's gone a bit funny. Yeah, I can hear you now, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm back. Right, so that's our fantasy team um, picked. So let's go now to our predictor league. So I've already got scores in here because, like an idiot, I tried to go and <laughs> I tried to go and predict every feet, uh, fixture for the entire World Cup before we'd even played round one. So we can go in and change these. So eight matches to pick from. So who have you got, mate? Uh, France versus Uruguay. We're going to France win. Absolutely. What do you think the margin will be? Margin, thirty points. Thirty. I think Uruguay are one of my favourite um, teams, and I think uh, they are going to be a big thing in the rugby future, but sadly not right now. So cool, that's locked in. Oh, should have been locked in. Update, there we go. Great. Right, and then who do you think the first try score will be? French player? Depends who they're going to play in terms of who's going to start. Shall we come back to it? Shall we come back to it once when the teams are announced? And then I'll put on Twitter who are, who are things up. Yeah, let's do that. That makes more sense. Yeah, okay. Uh, New Zealand versus Namibia. Oh, okay, so yeah, margin. Yeah, 40, 50 points. Let's go 50. New Zealand versus Namibia feels like something that happens every World Cup. Definitely happened mm. in 2015. Yeah, um, you're right. Uh, Samoa v Chile. So we're going, I'll, yeah, it's going to be a Samoa win. I'd say by 15 is about right. I'd have you at 15. Oh. Locked in. Uh, Wales versus Portugal. 40 points. Well, it is Wales. <laughs> uh, 30 points. 30 points. Next up, Ireland versus Tonga. 40 points. It's not oh, going to be really. Another, yeah. You think? What Ireland are fired up for this game. Okay. And allegedly, yeah, Sexton's going to be consulted about whether or not he should play. I think, yeah, forty points. Okay. Uh, South Africa versus Romania. Oh God. I don't think it will be the same number of points as Ireland scored. I think it'll be less. Yeah. Maybe seventy. What do you think? Yeah. 
What do you think? I want to say by 60. Okay. Because the box aren't, don't score that many tries. Even against teams that they batter, they don't score that many tries. I say, but I still think they're going to win by 60. <laughs> uh, Australia versus Fiji. Right, we've got to pick Fiji. Fiji by five. Fiji by five. Fiji by five. Simple. Can you imagine the scenes? Can you imagine the scenes? Uh, England versus Japan. Yeah, England by 15 points. They're definitely going to win. I want to know if Japan are going to get into the 20s. That's my outside shout for this game. I think Japan might score 21 points in this game. Italy versus Uruguay. So I think this is going to be a tighter game than people think. Italy by 10? Go with that. And I think it'll be a late score from, from Italy to make the game safe. Uh, Fran- oh, and then I think that's it. Oh, no, sorry, actually. Italy versus Uruguay is in round three. So we've gone one over. So okay. everyone pretend you didn't hear that. <laughs> OK, right. So that's it then, mate. So that's our predictions. That's our fantasy team. That's our stats deep dive. What have we got left to talk about? We could just fly through maybe some of the, the tier two roundups from our, our yeah, our non-international rugby, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. Um we saw in so starting off with the Pro D2, Free became the first team to beat uh, Provence uh, this season. Uh, Grenoble also got their first win. And there were two draws in one day, Normandy v Argen and Angoulême v Good effort. <laughs> I don't know the correct way. <laughs> I don't know the correct answer, so let's go with what you said. And Van now sit uh, top with four games played. There was also some NPC action. I don't know if you caught any of this. I, I didn't manage to watch that much. There was none broadcast in the UK on Saturday this week. There yeah. was one on Friday. I caught a bit of Wellington versus Waikato, um, where Wellington won. Um, Wellington are, are going quite well. Um, Auckland beat Canterbury um, so I think it's Wellington Auckland at the top of the table with seven games played already uh, but yeah. Canterbury do have a game in hand and they are in touch at the top as well so it's still all to play for and forever to play again Scottish Super then... not six uh, Watsonians um, had a very close well relatively close by um, form so far game with Future which was 34-21 to Watsonians in the end Future have been having a few Really heavy batterings lately, so it's nice to see um, they managed to turn that around a little bit. Um, and then Harriet's beat Knights to go top on points difference. Um, and then in the Welsh Premiership, Llandovery continued uh, their good form. So they were champions last year. They beat Merthyr uh, and Carmarthen beat Neath in a double swoop for the West Wales uh, uh, rugby clubs. Uh, and then Cardiff beat RGC in what is a very big game in the Welsh Premiership. So Van Dubry, maximum points, 10 out of possible 10 so far. Uh, they sit top. Uh, now, we had the English Premiership Cup um, kick off this weekend, which was on TV. Uh, Ender, do you want to break the big news to people about some of the upsets we had in this? Yeah, so with Coventry beat Saracens, which is absolutely massive. And uh, to top all that off, Ealing hammered Saints. Um, so yeah, fair play to the championship sides. Um, 
And yeah. I know so that you so, were... Sorry, just so people know, Coventry are mid-table championship and Saracens are, have, are the best team in England and have been for the best part of 15 years at this point. Uh, and Coventry beat them. I think it was 28-14. Um, so that that is a, a, a massive shock. I'm kind of sad I didn't go and see it because it's only on the road for me. Played in the Butts Park, um, which is right next door to my digs where I stayed in first year of university. Um, but sadly, no, I didn't know they were going to win, <laughs> which nobody did, I guess. Um, and then, like I said, uh, Ealing absolutely battered Northampton States. Uh, and um, there was a couple of Welsh lads in there. So our Tafts abroad um, go to uh, Stephen Shingler and Jonah Holmes and Kirby Myhill, who all turned out for Ealing. Ealing signed a lot of players from, in particular, Cardiff this season with the big exodus that we had in Wales. Um, and they were very comfortable. Uh, Northampton, they got battered by the Barbarians last week and have been battered by a championship Ealing side. So not a great start to the season for them. Um, OK, mate. Uh, why don't you round, round us up with what we can expect to see in the coming week and tell us a little bit more about a new player we've got in the rugby broadcast game. Yeah, so a lot of people have been looking for, like we've all, sure a lot of our followers on Twitter, like where rugby seem to be going after a lot of people who are sharing clips um, from games and everything and images and stills and all that. But people are also looking for extended highlights of the World Cup. And they're actually gone up on Rugby Pass TV, uh, which is a brand new OTT platform that World Rugby and Rugby Pass have launched. World Rugby acquired Rugby Pass um, recent, quite recently enough. Um, so this is one thing that one of the reasons a lot of people flagged that this was a good move for World Rugby. So, yeah, basically they, they put all, a lot of the extended highlights. Now they are quite extensive. Like they're they're 14 minutes plus. I think the minimum one is maybe 13 minutes and 58 seconds. So, so it's it's there are some very good highlights. Now the only caveat is that you do have to sign up, but it is completely free. So if you're looking for uh, extended highlights, go there. Um, I'm not going to run through the full schedule of the week. It will be out on Thursday, um, as always. But we do have the World Cup covers kicking off on Thursday with France v Uruguay. Um. So that's kicking off at eight o'clock and there are games on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. But also there's going to be another Premiership Rugby Cup game um, round two. So we'll see Bath v Jersey. That's going to be on TNT Sports. Uh, and also there will be NBC action this week. The usual Wednesday games. So that's going to be. Um, yeah, so there are three three NBC games that will be up on the Twitter page. We are a little bit stuck for time this evening, folks. But yeah. The, the coverage starts, your rugby coverage starts on a Wednesday, but the World Cup starts on Thursday and there'll be action right through till the Sunday. Yeah. So I think that's that pretty much. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Jersey v Bath. There's um, a lot of Scarlet's yeah. boys playing for Jersey and Jersey are actually the um, championship champions. Um, they beat Ealing to the title last season, which not a lot of people realise. So and Bath, are, I'm, I've pro- I've, I'm not allowed to be mean to Bath anymore. So I won't say anything. <laughs> uh, so go Jersey. Right. Can't wait. OK, mate. Great stuff. Uh, I think that's it, folks. So thanks again for tuning in. Any final words, Hugh? No, enjoy your rugby, guys. Uh, we're loving the World Cup so far. Don't be mean to referees and uh, we'll see you next week. Great stuff. Thanks all. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.